Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today I'm going to be discussing the penultimate round of the X2O Trophy which took place in Lille. This race is also known as the Kravata Cross and you might wonder where is Isam to discuss this Kravata Cross with you? Unfortunately he is stuck at the airport due to a complication with his flight to Morocco which means I will be doing it alone. Be aware that we will try and solve things like this over the summer, try and find another guest that is able to feature regularly because with Tom basically out and Tom very busy with his masters at the London University, it has been a bit thin with only Isam and me over this season. So since I am here by myself, I will just do my best to discuss the racing here in Lille as good as possible. Be aware that this Lille is just a very tiny village in Belgium. It is not the Lille in France, the big city, because that is 100% certainly called Rijssel, according to the Belgians. So racing went underway in Lille, Belgium, just a tiny town. The scenario in the early phases of the race was pretty similar to what we had seen yesterday in Middelkerke. Lars van der Haar was very quick in that first lap, he was furious once again. He was going at it and there was a very good reason for that. Eli Isbiet had had a bad start and that meant that Van der Haar hoped to cause an upset in the classification. However, Isbiet was also strong and managed to close the gap to Van der Haar and Zweig in the second lap. However, just as he was about to rejoin the leaders, he made a mistake. He lost the rut in the sand corner, caught in the loose sand and crashed. He needed to overtake a lot of riders and once he had done so, he could not start chasing Van der Haar and Zweig because the Balwaas duo of Nieuwenhuis and Ronhaar were annoying him. Nieuwenhuis blocked an attack of Ronhaar which meant that Isabiet first had to close a gap to Ronhaar. Once he had done that, Ronhaar started annoying Isabiet by using the tactics which we have seen Paul Sauze use so many times. Ronhaar got in front on some narrow sections and basically went for a very slow walking pace both on and off the bike. Isabiet was strong though and managed to keep the gap of Zweig and Van der Haar at around 15 seconds. However, that was more than enough in the final lap for these two up front to decide amongst them who was going to take the victory. They had worked together well for almost the entire race, but in the penultimate lap Zweig had made a mistake. He managed to recover from that, and in the final lap it was Van der Haar who made a mistake. Just before the long stretch next to the lake, Van der Haar made a mistake. He managed to close that basically just before the barriers, but as Zweig was hopping the barriers, whilst Van der Haar was running the barriers, Zweig managed to stretch that gap there again. He still had a rough 10 meters when they came into the barriers, and after that those were 30 meters. Zweig did not let that gap go away anymore, he stayed in control and took the win. Van der Haar did what he could, but needed to settle for second. Isabiet, after that crash, still rode a strong race and managed to end third. I thought that was a pretty entertaining race, to be honest. I could definitely use that after the Worlds. Normally my attention span is dipping a bit, and it's the same as with the riders. Your morale isn't the same as in the beginning of the season. It's the final stretches now, but I definitely enjoyed this one. Lille was always... Uh, nice course the course usually makes for some relatively close racing and we had that today you could see it that even after easy beat crashed and needed to chase he couldn't really close in on Swaker from the heart but at the same time you were always thinking well 
if Van der Haaren's fake stop cooperating, Isobit is going to come back. It's a course where it's hard to close the gap of 15 seconds, but it's also hard to really pull away from somebody, at least if it's fast, which it was today. I enjoyed that duel between Van der Haaren and Zweig, and I see many similarities with yesterday, because yesterday you had the feeling in Middelkerke, Van der Haaren is in the driving seat for almost the entire race, loses it in the final lap due to a mistake. And today again, in the first part of the race, Van der Haar was definitely in the driver's seat. He was dictating the race, he was dictating the pace, he was dictating the laws in Lille. But once Isabit had crashed and he realized, okay, well, we need to keep him behind now because he's strong. He started cooperating with Zweig, a bit of a slower pace, but steady enough. And then it's a shame that he makes a mistake in the final lap at that moment and... Whereas we discussed the barriers yesterday where Van der Haar was jumping and Zweig not. I think it's a shame that Van der Haar opted to run today. Because at full speed it does cost you a bit. It costs you like 1-2 seconds every lap. And especially in the final lap. It, 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 it did eventually break him up. And it's a shame because I would have loved to see a sprint between these two. If I would have seen a sprint. Ooh. I would probably back Zweig because he's an explosive rider, but Van der Haar, if he can come from the draft, he can be very dangerous on those final meters. You saw today that out of the final corner, he really still gave it a, a serious go, but it wasn't to be today for Van der Haar. Two times second. Shame for him. I think he would have deserved at least one win this weekend, but at the same time, if you make a mistake, the other who doesn't make the mistake at the right moment deserves it, so... Today definitely a deserved win for Zweig because also he put in a lot of effort to keep riding with Van der Haar. There were no tricks played between the two. And it is a difficult course to break away from somebody else. It's going to be a mistake or the barriers. I, I don't see where you're going to do it because they added so many corners in here that the sand is hardly a featuring section. It's just, yeah, corner here or get off the bike there. Some unnecessary corners. I thought that the corners right before the barriers were unnecessary. They added uh, another weird corner just before the stairs. I don't see any reason why they should have put that there. With a bit more straightforward sections, the sand could have had a more influential impact on the race. But that wasn't to be. The course designers obviously had different priorities. Maybe sponsor priorities. Maybe just a different view on what they want to be the decisive feature on the course but with the way the course was there today it was go always going to be a mistake that was going to decide this race and if it wasn't there it's very likely it would have gone to a sprint somebody who did make a mistake today and probably even more than one was Eli Iserbiet he already had a bad start managed to recover from that but then ruined his entire race by making a single mistake in the second lap. In the corner after the forest where they passed in front of the VIP tent, he missed the rut, came in the loose sand and fell over. That completely ruined his race. He was dropped to 12th and on this course it's not easy to overtake with the exception of a few straights, but he said himself in the post-race interview I needed to take a lot of risks and really flirt with the edge of what I think is allowed in cross. We saw that dive bomb on Ronhaar, especially in the sections around the trees. Ronhaar not happy with it, throwing his bike back at Iserbeet there. 
Isubi didn't make too much of a fuss of it because he kind of understood that it was a very audacious and maybe not the most sportsman-like move, but he had something to do. I thought that move was fine. Ronar opened the door and it's not something that's completely new in Lille that somebody sends it down the inside of a corner there. Shame for Isubi that he made that mistake because he was super strong. In the defense the entire race, working almost entirely alone in the chase, even being annoyed by the no, not the Paul Sauer duo, the, the Balaz duo of Ronhaar and Nieuwhuis. What I was going to say was he didn't get too much support from his Paul Sauer teammate Michael van Turenhout. Yeah, it's then good, I would say, the maximum achievable damage control managed to limit the damage for the classification because he only loses some 30 seconds now with the bonifications today. That's a lot better than, let's say, he loses... A minute because if you lose a minute then it's all of a sudden one minute 30 and then you go to brussels and that is a weird cross next week there's going to be even more tiredness kicking in even more ups and downs in terms of form and that is going to influence riders and you want to have a solid margin going into that race easy has done so yeah he achieved the maximum possible after that crash in the second lap and I do think he would have featured for the victory if it wasn't for that crash, but that is irrelevant because he made a mistake himself, there was no bad luck involved anywhere. Let's look at the entire top 10 then. The podium of Zweig, Van der Haar and de Isebiet is followed by Van Turenhout ahead of Ronhaar, Van der Putte, Orts, Nieuwenhuis, Kamp and Soete. Out of this top 10 I will start by discussing Michael Van Turenhout, the European champion. He said in a pre-race discussion with Eli Isabit yesterday that he had great legs. That was not the case, he ended 9th. Today he had a very rough start as well. He was 20th after the first lap. Rode a very solid race, not decent, solid. It was just okay in the sense of a solid comeback. Normally you would expect more from Van Turenhout, but as discussed yesterday, we're coming to the end of the season, the tiredness is there, the ups and downs will be higher and lower, the morale is not going to be there for Van Turenhout, who has nothing to really do here, like, he just needs to ride these two races, he's going to end third, claim some nice prize money with that, so it's good for him, he's going to end there, he can be satisfied, maybe next week he will go all in in one of the two races to try and get another victory, but... His season is already a success and it's been a long season for him. Was there right at the beginning of the season, peaking, tried to focus on that overall World Cup that unfortunately for him didn't work out and especially with that illness around the World Cup in Benidorm which saw him miss that and also miss Besançon. Yeah, that, that was really the, the final straw. Tried his best to still reload after the Belgian Championships towards Worlds. Also, that didn't really work, so in the end, a fourth place today is kind of fitting for the situation he is in at the moment. It's been enough for him, his season is a great success with that European and Belgian title. Behind him was Pim Ronhaar. Ronhaar rode a relatively strong race today again, I've said it earlier, he got an unfair amount of criticism this season, the expectations were just unrealistically high. He's had a very solid season for what is basically a final year under 23. He's been going for it and today he tried to go for that podium just like in Hammer. Today with the clear instructions of his team manager Sven Nijs. We could hear it on the Belgian TV. He said go for it Pim. Try to get that third. 
and once he was caught by Easybeat, he started playing the team tactics before it was Neuhouse doing that. Neuhouse also rode a decent race, cost a little bit, too much energy in the beginning of the race, his actions, and dropped to 8th, but still decent race by him. At the World Championships last week, things were disappointing, he got sick during the race on the bike, didn't feel too well, and that eventually saw him end somewhere in the middle of the result, not what they had hoped for, but next year I think we're going to see a lot more from Newhouse, especially when the big names are still on the road or preparing for cross. A final mention here for a rider in the top 10 is going to be for Felipe Orts. The Spanish champion was fighting all race, lost the connection with the easy beat group at some point, but kept going and not without reward because in the final lap he still overtook Newhouse due to that nice to see him continue doing cross and ending in the top 10. I'm not too sure if we're going to see him around next week though. Then onto the women's race where the brand new world champion Femme van Nempel was lining up just after a short holiday in Marrakesh, Morocco. Physically she might have been at that start line but mentally she was still in Marrakesh because when the lights went out she had a terrible getaway. She was 30th, managed to move up some places to around 20th in the first corner but still it was a horrible start for her. We were anticipating a great overtaking race by her and we didn't need to wait long for that. And basically her overtaking race was done after one corner actually because an absolutely fantastic move saw her pass half of the pack round the outside of a corner where they were all queuing up to take the inside line. Van Empel ran past them around the outside and was up into the top 10. She didn't waste much time and stormed to the front of the race relatively easily but it was clear that this was not the Femme van Empel that we had seen the rest of the season. She was making a lot of mistakes and for the first two and a half laps she was in a leading group together with Brandt who was setting the pace, Alvarado who was also dictating the race together with Brandt and Worst. So with these four leaders we went into the third lap. In that third lap Van Empel placed a serious attack and where in almost all races where Pietersen and Van Andrew weren't at the start that would have been enough. However it wasn't here. Van Empel clearly wasn't at her best as not only Alvarado bridged that gap, Worst also bridged that gap. Worst then crashed, which meant that Van Empel and Alvarado were together. Van Empel made a lot of mistakes, but that didn't really see Alvarado open a gap or anything. It was just a couple of mistakes, but nothing too serious. In the final lap, however, it was Alvarado who made a mistake. She could barely avoid crashing, and from there on Van Empel went all out towards the finish line. She extended that small gap what she had and sat up and was able to take the victory. Not only did she sit up, she sat down again and then put her stomach on her saddle and did the Superman as we had seen Tom Pitcock do. It was even a bit more horizontal than Pitcock, but she did still have both hands in her drops, so not an official Superman. Rating, probably a 7 out of 10 for me. Alvarado ended second behind that and then Anne-Marie Worst, despite that crash, managed to end third. A victorious Femme van Empel, a side we have seen many times throughout this season and despite the fact that she went to Morocco, I'm not surprised that she took the win here. That form can't be disappeared, you could just see that mentally she came here to show the rainbow jersey rather than really be focused on racing. 
I thought prior to the race that it really was a matter of the X2O trophy just paying a lot of money for her to come and race. Now I do think that she is influenced a bit by the monetary side, like 30,000 euros for the overall, else it would have been like five or 8,000 if she ended fourth or fifth. I understand that decision and probably getting a nice sum of start money, but judging by what I saw and heard, it really was just her thought of, I kind of want to show my rainbow bands before this or that, and she rebooked her vacation herself, she only went to Marrakesh now for three days instead of six, so I think it was more of a personal choice of I want to show the rainbow jersey rather than just being tempted by the big money, but at the end of the day, it is a serious amount of money, especially for just two hours of doing your job or, well, want to include the travel in the day, two days of working. There was a bit of talk on the Belgian broadcast about it being part of Jumbo educating her on the, the monetary value that, like, you need to respect these sums of money. I don't know how far I would agree with that. Probably not too far. It is... A nice sum of money that she gets but I think ultimately her decision was well I am going to show my rainbow jersey here show my bike and just be happy I want to ride in the rainbow jersey which I can completely understand because you've won it and then you kind of want to show it to everybody so definitely nice to see her around and fully deserved victory today but on the other hand also a promising sign for Alvarado she will definitely take morale out of this although I don't think it's justified Alvarado will from this take forward which was already happening in the Belgian broadcast by the way that they were saying yeah if I see this Alvarado saying that the gap with Van Empel and Peterson next year will be gone completely justified but you can't say that because this is not a fan Van Empel who has prepared for the season or well she had prepared for the season but not for this race you can't say that this means that Alvarado is going to be able to close the gap far more representative for that is the rest of the season where she's been significantly behind Van Empel the closest she came was in Waterloo when it went down to a sprint between the two since then I haven't seen Alvarado come close anywhere to Van Empel until today I'm not saying that that means it's impossible. You never know what happens over the summer. I mean, we've had it many times already where in the past you think, oh, this rider is going to take over and then they don't make progression or others catch up or something else. But still, Alvarado, I think, will take the morale from this and that is for her the most important thing. But realistically, I don't think it's a fair assessment. Van Empel here was just chilling around, didn't ride a bike all day, didn't do any race preparation, just checked out the course in the morning, did a couple of laps and went for it, had a bad start. It was for her really just a fun day out, whereas Alvarado was really still going at it. I think for Alvarado we might even need to conclude that she missed her form peak for Worlds a little bit, because she said it herself, I feel maybe even a bit stronger this weekend than last weekend at Worlds. I think that could potentially be a fair conclusion where a rider like Brand really peaked to perfection and was at her best on the big day last week, ended on the podium, whereas Alvarado is a bit better now, especially relative to the rest.
If we then look at the riders behind Van Empel and Alvarado, Vorst and Brandt were in the contention for the podium spots for a while. Brandt, just like yesterday, didn't look all too great, made quite some mistakes. Not really sure what's up there. I think for her the tiredness is kicking in as well and I will come to the same conclusion as yesterday. Her priority is already on the road. I think she's still going to do the races next week, try to collect that second place in the X2O trophy, which I think at this rate she might lose to Alvarado. And then after that, no Osmala for her focus on the road season. Don't think she will do Strade. I think she will come into action a bit later in some of the flat races in Belgium before focusing on Tour of Flanders Paris-Roubaix. Of course, ended on the podium in Paris-Roubaix last year. Wasn't really a great road season for her. There were some upsets. Could be different this year. I think that's really what's going to be motivating her already. That focus is on Roubaix and not as much on the remainder of the X2O trophy. For Worst, I think the same goes as for Alvarado, is now trying to find morale. The story of Worst is known, discussed it many times this season. That knee is still a long lingering injury. After the cross season, we will know if they are going to go for surgery or not, but the expectations for next year are already getting high because also Worst thinks she is able to close that gap to Van Empel, Van Androoy and Pietersen. And so does her team, Camille van der Berg, the team manager of the 777 team, has already said that, in his opinion, Anne-Marie Vorst is going to be the top favorite at the World Championships in Tabor next year. I don't believe any of that. For me, that's going to be Puck Pietersen already, simply because she's going to be hopping those barriers. And now I speak about the barriers, I thought it was interesting. Van Empel, we discussed it in the World's Preview. What happened? Why wasn't she jumping anymore? We had seen her jump a lot earlier in the season, then didn't do it. And then today, the barriers, okay, were low. Were these wooden planks of the X2O trophy? I think they were only 25-ish centimeters, maybe 30. But she jumped them one lap. I don't really know what was behind that and why she didn't do it the rest of the race. But she did it, which was fun to see. And she wasn't the only one. We saw Bakker jump them. Bakker was featuring at the front of the race, but then had a jammed chain, needed a lot of time to fix that. She eventually finished 8th. And Molegraaf, she was also jumping them. Molegraaf, very, very strong ride. Of course, had that huge disappointment at Worlds last week, then managed to take 5th here. Okay, not everybody was there, bit of an inflated result, but still, strong showing by her, and it's not like she beat a bunch of nobodies behind her, Riberol. Betsema, Verdomschot, definitely a strong showing by the young Dutch woman. Let's look at the entire top 10 then. Van Empel with the win ahead of Alvarado, Vorst, Brandt, Molegraaf, Verdomschot, Betsema, Bakker, Baroni and Riberol. We have to mention here once again Laura Verdomschot. I already briefly mentioned her in yesterday's podcast about Middelkerke. It was great to see her do well and today that is great again. I think it was... Two seasons ago, or maybe it was last season, I'm not entirely sure anymore, that we covered her quite extensively because there were some reports by herself that she had a lot of mental issues over the summer, was not in a good place, left Paul Sauze, went now to the Von der Mole, the Keuser team, feels much happier there, started to rebuild herself, rebuild her confidence, and we can really see that coming out now. 
The signs were already there earlier this season with a top 10 in multiple World Cups. I remember in Antwerp, she is a sound specialist. Of course, today suited her. Sixth is very nice for her. I know I got a mail of one of our listeners also saying that he was a big fan of Verdonschot and remembers that he came here as a big under-23 or she came here as a big under-23 talent in the Ostende Belgian Championships and that is I think something that has hunted her. It's been a bit of a, I would say, not necessarily a fluke but something that has affected her because she was all of a sudden there and in Belgium you know how it goes with talents like they are desperate to find a rider to come after Sonnekant and that is what has happened with Verdonschot she became hyped as the next big thing who all of a sudden needed to do it a lot of pressure on her like she is our hope she's already competing with Kant Kant was world champion at that moment future world champion she went to the BLS world championships under 23 as a huge favorite in Belgium didn't end on the podium it wasn't a bad race by her but they were still disappointed like how come how is it possible she's beaten by Vorst, Richards, Ellen Noble an American beating for Donschot we thought better after Ostend the Worlds and it's good to see her in a better place now to end on yeah a high this season and that's really what it is about if you get a couple of good results now you're going to be taking a lot of positive energy into the off season and are going to be very motivated into the next season like Alvarado and Vorst are looking for that now it might be a bit of fake morale that they get but it will still help them whereas a rider like Betsema who's been struggling week in week out now again had a tough race today just doesn't seem to be improving and I wonder if she will turn up next week I think she will she said she's still planning to do so but if she doesn't I honestly wouldn't blame her the tiredness is there it's definitely not going her way anymore and that's unfortunate you don't wish it to anyone and that means that I also don't wish it to Betsema so I respect it if she decides to continue the drag continue the battle this season but I would also completely understand it if at some point she says okay I'm calling it a day I need to seriously reevaluate what has happened and how I'm going to do better next season well, then I think I've had all the names of the women's race I would like to discuss. I already said Bucker was unfortunate with that issue in the beginning of the race. Maybe a bit on Riberol for her. Season is also coming to an end. Tiredness is kicking in. Good to see Baroni get another top 10. But yeah, I realize it might have sounded a bit negative on Alvarado and Vorst about the fake morale. But they should, of course, be happy with their results. My point is more that the levels of saying okay based on this they are going to be much closer next season is simply an unfair conclusion it's not that they shouldn't be happy with their results today because they got the maximum out of it but i just don't think today is representative to say okay i saw a Lille, i could compete with Fem van empel so i'm going to be able to do so in the future like on the basis of an entire season I don't think that's possible, but it could have very well been Alvarado taking the win today if she hadn't made that mistake in the final lap. Although, I highly doubt it because Van Empel simply has the best sprint and the Flying Femme took the win today. Alvarado needed to settle for second, but 
Still, a good attempt by her hand. I completely understand if she's happy with this result. Then I've gotten a couple of questions what we will be doing over the summer in terms of podcasts. We will be continuing. We've seen a couple of requests for interviews. We will probably be doing some things over the summer, but for us after the cross season, there's definitely always a period of rest kicking in. We need to recover a bit. We will be following mountain biking closely. I'm super interested to see what Puck Peterson will be doing there. I do wonder what Fem van Empel is going to do on the mountain bike. Definitely will have my attention. As always, we will be covering a bit of road, but we still need to finalize our plans on this season. It's always difficult because especially in the build-up to the early cross season, we always have other factors involved as well. There's holidays which happen in July and August and before you know it's September and cross is starting again. We will evaluate on that the upcoming weeks and then what I can tell you is next week we are coming with a podcast, combined podcast about Sydney class and Brussels. Then the week after we are coming with a podcast about the released World Cup calendar being released on the 24th of February. And in that podcast, we will do a very short section on the Sliding Spice Osmala at the end. And after that, we really don't know. Probably one week of rest, then Strade Bianche. And then from there on, we will wait and see. Maybe we're going to be doing some spin-offs based on some other concepts. But we will be busy working that out. And of course, keep you updated. Thanks for the continued support also on this solo episode. Thanks for listening and we will see you guys next week then. Goodbye.